Hello again. Welcome to the Domestiques. Yes, it's that time of the year when the attention of world cycling focuses on the third and final Grand Tour. It's Love Welter. Thanks for tuning in. Today we preview Spain's biggest tour. I'm Mike Tomolaris. Hello to you. Looking forward to what promises to be a bruising three weeks coming up in the roads of Spain. And I'm curious to hear the thoughts of our fellow domestique, Matilda Reynolds, who is still in Colorado and Tills. You have been smashing the gravel over there. Hello to you and tell us all about it. What's up, team? Good to see you guys. You know, starting to have withdrawals after a week. So, uh, yeah, no, I've been uh, had a crack on the gravel at 2,000 metres of elevation. And, um, yeah, it was tough. It was, I don't know, if anyone's had COVID out there, if you felt like doing a 230-kilometre gravel race 10 days after. But, it, uh, you know, oh, it, yeah. it was a great experience. Um, I'm not sure I'll race this weekend. It's all just been a bit too close to have being sick. But still really happy to have come through healthy and injury-free and such a good vibe over here. It's uh, I know Hollywood can't uh, can't stand the the front no. bags and the knobby mm. tires. No. We'll just leave here. You're a hippie. Hippies. Yeah, no, but <laughs> but uh, over here in the USA, it's it's all the rage. You know, it's a very very small road market, and it's all about gravel. It's where the money is, the brands are, the teams are, the performances are. So it was cool to get be a part of that for the weekend. Yeah, good on you, Tills. What about you, Hollywood? Uh, is life uh, back to normal after you after your European summer? Yeah, yeah, it's been tough getting back into it, but I'm a week and a half removed now, so I'm finally getting back into it. But what about the big news, Mike, Matilda? The big news about Marsh acquiring our good friend Honan for $700 million, just making Honan even bigger, stronger and better. So that's great news for the team at Honan. And let's not forget, can we just talk about that ad I saw yesterday from Black Sheep about the Tour of Lavenir and sponsoring it the first time the women's had their own race. And to start the ad was Matilda dancing and singing. <laughs> yeah. Can we just talk about that, Mike? Well, if you haven't seen it... I was just... actually so embarrassed because that was like my first day I it's landed brilliant. at Altitude. How embarrassing is that I can't breathe and talk at the same time? What <laughs> a great ad by Black Sheep. They yeah. pulled out the big budget for that. Well, check it out. Check it out on social media. Well done. Hey, listen, we've got a packed program coming up today. Uh, also coming up on the Domestiques, we will touch on the Tour de Lavenir, and of course, Black Sheep are sponsoring that event, and they uh, are powering uh, the Domestiques, as is the Honan Insurance Group. Uh, the men's race, which focuses on the world's best under-23 rider, is currently being held in, in uh, France. But what's exciting, Tills, is for the first time, the women's edition is being launched, and that gets underway on Monday. We'll touch on that. Um, we'll touch on the Tour of Scandinavia, another women's event. They're everywhere. The women are just dominating world sport right right now. Uh, later on in the program, I got a chance to speak to neurosports scientist David Spindler. He's an Aussie who's making a huge impression with individual riders and teams connected to the world tour. And who would have thought that um, an expert on the human brain would make a difference to winning or losing. But uh, that's what's coming up later on the Domestiques. Okay, let's dive into Love Welter. It gets underway this weekend from Barcelona with a team time trial. 
on Saturday night. It's a very tough course on paper. It looks to be uh, quite brutal. All up, there are four flat stages, so not many opportunities for the sprinters. There are six hilly stages. There are seven mounted stages, one individual time trial. And uh, it says here, according to the organisers, two flat stages with high altitude finales, whatever that means. All I know is uh, this year's course is brutal. And not unlike the Tour de France, uh, Hollywood and Tills, the peloton will hit the high country as early as stage three. And we saw that at the Tour de France. So uh, the time gaps, I guess, will open up pretty early, Tills. Yeah, it's sort of hard with the racing that we've got going on because Worlds is usually the conclusion and then you just have these, you know, these little races that Mm. no one really gives a shit about after. But because Worlds was like at least a month early, we've still got, like, we've got to pick ourselves up again because, like, the racing that is coming, I put it to you guys, this start list for the Vuelta is actually better than the Tour de France. If you think about who we're missing, we're missing uh, Yates, and probably and like both Yates brothers and Pagacha. But in replace of those two, we've got Garen Thomas, Renko Evenepoel, Ayuso, Mass, and Rodlick. And um, obviously, you know, and many of the riders who did well at the tour are at this event. Like and you've the got Giro. This combination. And the Giro. Eddie Dunbar, like Ed, Eddie Dunbar, top five, I think finished fifth at the Giro for Green Edge. He's doing it. So, yes. 100%. The, the list here, I, I put it to you, could be better than the Tour de France. We've got a huge amount of climbers, huge amount of GC. The only thing we're missing, what you alluded to just then, Mike, with there being really no sprint stages, is the sprinters have disappeared. Like if you're a sprinter and you want to try to get a, a, a you know a grand tour stage, then I, I recommend you come to the world for this yeah. edition. Well, I'll put this to you. There was a time when uh, the Tour de France was seen as the uh, grand poobah, the grand mm-hmm final of world cycling and uh, the welter was sort of seen as an afterthought but it seems to me like the landscape is changing and there's uh, a lot more respect for the tour of spain um as there was that than there was in the past and i guess aso's influence may have a lot to do with it because they own both races and perhaps they're trying to share the love yeah look it 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 has certainly got a lot more respect but the Tour de France is the grand final. Mm. That is the pinnacle. Mm. That is, that's unquestionable. So, look, yes, the Vuelta has got a lot more respect and it's a grand tour. It's massive. But the Tour de France is like the cherry on top. Yeah, the, yeah uh, it's hard that like, sorry, Mike, that this one feels like it's weighted so much more. Mm. Where like it has been a little mm. bit of a joke. Not Or not a joke, but like very relaxed. Like, okay, like I think Froome was the last one that, that won the Tour de France and then went on to win the Vuelta. But like it's been pretty relaxed. Like with Remco winning last year, that didn't really look like, you know, it wasn't like he made it after he won the Vuelta. But with this start list that's here, if you win this list, you know, against this, these riders, I think it definitely has a lot more prestige. Mm. This, this Vuelta should have an asterisk next to it than the previous ones that have come. Yeah, well, you mentioned those names. Um, did you mention Vingegaard, who won the Tour de France, has won it twice. Exactly. Geraint Thomas is backing up, <laughs> another Grand Tour winner. Egan Bernal, a Grand Tour winner. And uh, Roman Bardet among the big names. Now, let's talk about uh, the defending title holder, Remco Ivanopol. Now, the Belgian uh, is back in Spain. And I guess he's back with an added motivation, I would suspect, after abandoning uh, from the Giro in May because of COVID uh, very early in the piece. So I would imagine that he has, he's on a mission. 
Yeah, look, so. again, like, sorry, Mike, I, you know, I didn't mention Jonas Vindegaard, who's the favourite for this event, but, like, you've also got Jao Almeida, like, with mm. Yuana So, like, this, probably the thing is for Remco Everpol, looking at his team, he's got no support in this team. Like, Julian Alaphilippe's not even in this team. Um, As Green's not in his team. So, it's really, for him, he's just going to have to be following. Like, and there's probably nothing his team can do against the, like, Yumbo is bringing an extremely strong yep. team here like them and uae are dead serious about winning winning this event as 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 is ineos so remco will be very much on his own but i think um you know i heard some stats when he won the world the world champs time trial he he did over 400 watts for that entire time huh. trial which was like close to an hour and he's close to 60 kilos that kid so oh, right. he's definitely on fire but um I just hope he has the maturity to be able to, you know, let the racing happen around him and follow and then, you know, strike when he can. Well, speaking of uh, Jumbo Visma, as you say, they have assembled a super team. Now, the leadership, Roglic or Vingegaard, who will share the leadership duties? Remembering that Vingegaard has just come off an exhausting program winning the Tour de France. There's not much turnaround for these guys. Um, I would suspect that Roglic will start as the leader in the first week and see what happens after that. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I see. I see it like that. You just you don't know what's happening internally. You don't know how he's pulled up. You don't know how the form is. So you you really don't know. But just going back a step, what I love about the Vuelta is I love a team time trial. I really do yeah. like. I, I don't like it to be big. I don't like it to ruin the race where there's just mm. massive gaps and. Like it, but I remember when I was young watching um, Onsay go against US Postal in the team time trial and Onsay looking like bumblebees. I just loved it and I'm so glad that it's back in a grand tour with a, the team time trial in stage one. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm really curious to see how Brunel pulls up um, and he'll be supporting Geraint Thomas. And not let's not forget, Thomas came second runner-up at the Giro. So he's backing up after um, a long rest, I would I would imagine. Um, mm. But I really want to see Bernal. I'm a big fan of Bernal. I was there in 2019 when he won the Tour de France, and he's been through a horror a horror show uh, ever since. And it's a shame that he'll probably never be back to to where he was four years ago. Um, so Ineos are looking to make amends after, well, I won't say a disappointing Tour de France, but uh, without a team leader. Uh, they weren't where they have been in the last decade with Sky and and uh, you know. Uh, just just, other team just does anyone know how many uh, Aussies are doing it? I, I haven't. Only, uh, I only, I only yeah. got five or no, six. Yeah, but it's a pretty good list. So I think uh, if we just focus on the Aussies for a moment, I think um, obviously the top of that list, two actually that I've actually put them together would be Jay Vine for UAE. Oh, and so I think he'll be that pure mountain climber and just and, and really be um, a, a, a support for um, Yawel Mader. Um, he'll be that sort of set course rider, I think. Um, and I just hope that this year he can stay on his bike because um, that really has been his biggest downfall. Is, is his skill set. And then I would actually call out um, Michael Storer uh, from oh, yeah. FDJ Group Parma. He actually just recently won Tour de Lane. Um, so a really hilly um, 
sort of week GC, uh, a week long GC event uh, in France. He came away with that, and I think uh, FDJ have a really strong climbing team. So I think look out for them. You know, Lenny Martinez, um, Roman Gregory. I saw these kids were at the Tour de l'Avenir last year, and uh, really strong climbers. So I think that's a team that'll go for more of the the mountain GC uh, sort of days rather than the GC overall, um, probably the QOM. And then, sorry, just Caden Groves is the other one I'd pull out because when I look at the list and I'm trying to find sprinters, he's the only one I can see there. And he did great at the, at the Juro. And I think, um, I think, yeah, they'll be going all in for him on those, you know, only two or three uh, sprint stages with uh, Alps and uh, de Koenig. I've just got a question. I know, like, we've got a, a, a women's Tour de France and there's a women's, there's that Giro. Is there ever talk of a, a women's Velo Alta? It's, it, um, so this year it, it moved. It's It happened at the start of the year. So there has been a women's Velo but uh, Annemiek van Vluten won it. Remember, that was the one where um, uh, SD Works decided to stop, pull over and uh, do a P-stop in crosswinds. Uh, oh, is that too Why is it so far away? Caught, literally got caught with their pants down and Annemiek rode away with the, the win of that Grand Tour. So, um, yeah, they've moved a lot around just because of the tour uh, this year. And, yeah, I'm not sure, actually. It would actually be just how, how close it was. I think, actually, it would be pretty tough for them to back up after mm, the tour. Uh, actually, true. And this event now. Can we just, you just reminded me of something. I just have to stop for a minute and just appreciate <laughs> how beautiful <laughs> Matthew Vanderpoel looks in that I white mean, bibs, white as if you ever, that jersey, as if the Oakleys. To. I know, but can I just say, like, I, I, like I'm not gay. I just want to kiss him. He just looks beautiful. He is just <laughs> so striking, beautiful, tanned, mega sock height. Oh, my God. Hollywood. Like, he is beautiful. Hollywood, can I just say, there are times when I want to kiss you. (laughs) And I'm not gay. There's nothing wrong with gay, but I'm just saying, he is just, like, I've got such a man crush on him. He just, I look, saw those photos this week on Instagram. I thought, oh, fuck, you just look perfect. The white Oakley glasses with the rainbow on the top, everything was just... So mm. smick and beautiful. Well, that's the fashion Actually, segment of the show out of the way. <laughs> can, we, can we just move on and just talk about uh, the look? I reckon Jumbo Visma are so motivated to do well in this tour. Roglic is looking to back up after his Giro win and uh, possibly do the same at the Vuelta. And if he doesn't, Vingegaard could do a Tour de France Vuelta double. There's the motivation for Jumbo. And I don't think too many teams in the past have won all three grand yeah. tours. And there's your motivation for Yumbo. Tills. Bad luck, bad luck also follows Roderick. So, yeah, I think they're going to put him as like, hey, I'm here to support you. But um, Jonas will be like right on his wheel because um, I think, you know, he uh, Roderick crashed out of the last year's Vuelta. Oh, Mike, have, oh, there you go. Yeah, you, we just lost to you, Paul. We lost um, uh, yeah, like uh, Roglic uh, crashed out of last year's Vuelta um, and does have a lot of issues. Like even, you know, dropping his chain in the final the final stage of the Giro. It was Shram. Stop it. Get it. Cut that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's it's an amazing... Oh. Imagine being backed up by Jonas Vindegaard. And I think Jonas is yeah. actually... Um, 
coped with being the Tour de France winner this year a lot better than last year. Like last year he won and he just went underground. Like we never heard from him again where this year I think he's a lot better equipped. So yeah, it's gonna it's it's exciting racing and just so mm. many big names. And as you said, Mike, we're gonna see it on stage three as they head up to the famous Andorra straight away, really. Well, let's make some bold predictions now. Let's tip a winner three weeks out from the finish. Tills, you go first. Uh, um, I'll go Jonas Vindegaard. Yep. Hollywood? Uh, uh, Eddie Dunbar <laughs> or, Vin- or um, Primoz Roglic. Oh, oh, that is oh, huge. Heart, oh, no head. Eddie Dunbar. Oh, heart, that is no huge. Head. I'll go with Van der Poel, only because I like the bloke. Van der Poel? Yeah, oh, well, wow. No, not Van der Poel. E. Van der Poel. Remco. Oh, e. Van only because oh, he's been enough. training the house down. He's got to be doing something with those legs. Anyway, let's move on. Let's... Uh, talk about what else is happening in the world of cycling the tour de lavenir tills this is something that's very close to you it's always been a great concept as far as i'm concerned Uh, it's all about the stars are on show Mm. the stars of today are on show sorry the stars of tomorrow are on show today and tills at the aso the organizers of the tour de france they're responsible for the tour de lavenir and they're launching for the first time the women's tour de lavenir which gets underway on Monday. How exciting. Yeah, yeah. So the men's are happening at the moment. It's really, it's it's an absolute breeding ground for the future champions. There's not many, as I said, I think in this year's Tour de France, there were only like three or four stages that were won at that Tour de France that weren't won by people who had also done well at the Tour de l'Avenir. So it's really this like mirror ball of, of you know, the, the next sort of talent. And you see majority of them have already sort of signed to development teams uh, in the professional ranks like Yumbo I remember last year when we were there Yumbo Visma had probably eight of the 10 riders that came uh, top 10 in the GC. So um, yeah, it's, if you, if you're interested in like that, that sort of who's going to be the next name, it's definitely, um, well, you know, to watch the GC and to see how hmm. it's playing out. Um, but yeah, you go, mate. Well, let me give you some stats to outline the significance of the Tour de l'Avenir. Past winners of this race include many Tour de France champions. Here is the list that I've managed to find. Greg LeMond won the Tour de l'Avenir, three-time winner of the Tour de France. Miguel Indurain, a five-time winner of the Tour de France. Laurent Fignon, a French legend. Egan Bernal is a former winner. And Tadej Pogacar. Now, these guys yeah. are household names. What so there you go. What a list. And, and, so this yeah. is an event we can literally look into the crystal ball and find a star of star of tomorrow. Yeah, and with that, Mike, and obviously, you know, guys develop at such different, you know, levels and stages and, and accelerations depending on their age. And if you look at even just go further and look at the podium, Jai Hindley was on the podium Um uh, Joao Almeida uh, was on the podium there as well. Like the Ben O'Connor, like the list goes on and on of, of like riders mm. who have done well there. So yeah, that right now there's a huge heat wave happening in um, the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, it's extremely hot. We're going to see that heat in the Vuelta play out as well. But the big thing that Black Sheep's really focused on uh, this year and, and really the one the main reason that they got involved with the Tour de l'Avenir is that the very first women's under-23 racing will start on Monday. And I cannot implore enough how big of a moment this is in cycling, um, not just for women's racing, but across the board. I think I, 
I really do believe that like we do need that next tier of racing and for those women to be able to get their own their own platform as we talked about like it's such a huge jump to go from 19 years of age straight into sort of the world tour and and racing those 30 year olds so I think it's just going to be such a great opportunity for them to feel like a bit of a bigger fish in a small pond and and start and start for us to start to see who those new those future champions will be but biggest thing is more around the development of those riders. Australia has a team. Um, the men's team is actually doing quite well at the moment. They were fifth after yesterday's um, team time trial. They lost a little bit of time today, but the women's team is sending a really strong team, which is being led by Neve Bradbury, which is going to be really exciting. Um, so yeah, I think really, if I can just encourage everyone to jump on and follow some of what Black Sheep are putting out there about the importance of this race and how it's come about. Um, we had a great interview with John Paulson, the the chief of uh, Black Sheep a few weeks ago in the domestic. So please jump into that. But um, it has brought up something for me, Mike. You know, th- we're currently in the silly season. So we're in the transfer season at the moment. And I just... And obviously I'm going to say this as an older rider, but there is a dangerous obsession happening in signing extremely young female riders because the development of female endurance athletes compared to men is extremely different. Like we all know that women don't hit their peak to their early thirties, you know, particularly in endurance sports. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot more females either not hit their peak in cycling or they got there's no way they're going to have the longevity of careers that we've seen and I'd say that Hollywood as well in the men's like the amount of juniors that are being signed to world tour they're not going to stay there for what we've seen the likes of Garen Thomas like 10 15 years like we even heard Matthew Vanderpol in his interview talk and he's not even 30 yet pretty much start eluding hey there's not too many other things that I want to do so I, I, I just think what we, and, and I'm also really passionate about, like, I've rarely seen it gone wrong when they've held a rider back by one or two years, but I've definitely seen it go badly when they've just thrown a junior rider straight out of those ranks and straight into the world tour. Um, and they just haven't made it and they've fallen out with the sport really quickly or, you know, it hasn't gone well for them, but yeah, well, a big spill. Well, tell us why do teams... Why do teams do that? Why do they throw these youngsters in? I mean, there's the fear of burning out as well, isn't there, at such a young but if age? You're 19, is, it cheap, you're, is it cheap labour for well, them? If you're 19, that's the dream. It's the dream. You know, we mm. see in soccer, football, um, these, these you know, kids being uh, signed to these clubs so young and, you know, they can get great money and it's their dream. So if someone says to, you know, you get all your ego built up, you're the best there could be, they sign them up. But I think what is important, mm. and I will call them out, like, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Felicity, who we saw that, that um, you know, we talked about with Pat Shaw, who won the women's oh, individual, like she, yep. if she, I would love to see her potentially be held at least one more year, but, you know, at least potentially maybe she'll go into that, you know, that giant development team, Hollywood, like not straight into the world tour. Like, I think we're going to see more and more of these d- development teams popping up in women's women's um, teams, which will be... Yeah, there was another one announced yesterday, wasn't there? I saw it. Um, well, this week there was another one announced in the women's, another development team. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and I think that's, What's... like, going to be so important. But one that I would call out, you know, we're talking about, we're going to touch on the Tour of Scandinavia. Sarah Giganti is back. And I think we oh, are all yes. so... 
like guys, like Sarah Giganti was the next Anamique Van Vluten. Like what we were seeing, the performances we were seeing, but she was so young when she got, you know, plucked into the world tour and has just had some extremely challenging. What was her injury? What what oh, was her injury mate, that kept I her out so late. long? Because I've There's heard so, so many, many different, different rumors things around like what it was, head, heart, Knee, like, eating disorders, all these things. Too I've many. Heard. Like it's just so we can't speculate on it. Heart. But, um, she's yeah. back. So, Tools, is, is Sarah Giganti a classic example of the point you're trying to make? Well, it's not my place, but like uh, you know, I, I just hope she's getting some great advice. But if you look at someone like Ruby Rose McGannon, who was potentially held back by at least a mm. year, and then how well she did when she did initially go into the World Tour last year, as opposed to some of these athletes oh. that are going straight away. I lost you. Oh, I can see. Baby, come back. I can see you. <laughs> I can. Tills. Baby, come I back. I can see you. Keep going. Anyway, we can't eat. the tour of Scandinavia, Tills. It's taking place and it's currently making its way through Norway and Denmark. The opening stage was won by the Dane, the great Dane, Cecile Utrup Ludwig on the podium. And there are many Aussies involved, including Grace Brown. Yeah, it was won by Lorena Weebus, who caught uh, Cecilia by uh, like 40, oh, is that what 45 metres. Yeah, yeah. So Cecile was off the front and it was a really exciting chase down. But we've got 10 Aussies at the event. Um, we're going to see a hu- really high level of, of racing because everyone's coming. They've had this the peak of the Tour de France, had a moment to recover from that uh, and then coming off the peak of Worlds. Uh, expect Grace Brown to do really well in the individual time trial. But yeah, I'd really highly recommend everyone jump on to either GCN or YouTube to to catch up on the highlights of uh, the Tour of the North, which is happening right now. Tills, there's so much women's sport around the world right now. The landscape it has really changed. It's, it's been given a huge shake, at least. Now, tell me, is it my imagination or is it growing at a furious pace? I mean, apart from capturing worldwide attention, has the success and exposure of the FIFA Women's World Cup impacted every other women's sport right now? Certainly an easy sell, uh, women's sport just at the moment, uh, and just the return on investment. I think they're saying that, you know, if every dollar you put into women's sport as a brand, you get out at least $7. So, you know, it's free money. So, yeah, I'd highly recommend people get on board and then brands back, back women's sport because, yeah, it's a really positive conversation at the moment for sure. Well, we know one brand that backs women's sport, <laughs> yeah. don't we, Tills? Live. Oh, I Liv. think you say black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, and black sheep, of course. No, well, that no, goes no, without no. saying. But live as um, well. Like in all seriousness, they do. But I think, Mike and Lee, we're still got. We're just in still such a state of flux with what's happening in cycling at the moment. Like the growth, the injection of money. We've just seen big news in the women's uh, tour. It is a little bit confusing, but EF Silicon Valley, Tipco, you know, like the pink team, the the Jackson oh, yes. team who won Perry yep. Bay, they're folding. Uh, Linda Jackson um, can't get the funding for that team. And EF, the men's team, are starting a women's team. So there's a lot of movement and shifting that's happening still. You know, we've seen Mm. Liv, um, they're dropping down to a Conti team to be a development team of Jayco. And so there's still a huge amount of flux happening. And and I'm nervous with what's happening back home. 
of the NRS and just speaking to Karen Jones yesterday, who's a big organiser of, of racing happening back home, you know, there's a, Oz cycling is really focusing on that elite level. And I'm not sure where that's going to leave the NRS in, um, in, you know, next year. So because it's becoming so hard to run events, you know, the world is so much more expensive right now. And I don't reckon they're even getting loose change in return from some of those events that they're running. So, yeah, it's 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 a you know a lot of changes happening, and it'll be interesting where it all lands. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to our special guest now. And um, in the modern professional era of world cycling, teams, world teams are finding new ways in the search of gaining an edge over rivals in a bid for that elusive victory. David Spindler has worked with some of the sport's biggest names. They include Geraint Thomas, Pogacar, Rowan Dennis and Mark Cavendish, to name a few. David is using his qualifications as a neurosport scientist to weave his magic. Take a listen. This is The Domestics, presented by Black Sheep Cycling. Well, I'm here in Kiama on the New South Wales south coast, seaside town, and absolutely beautiful. And I've made my way down here to speak to an Aussie. And uh, you may have seen this man on the recent uh, Netflix documentary featuring Mark Cavendish. His name is uh, David Spindler, Professor David Spindler, if you don't mind. And he is a uh, neuroscientist. And I've got to say, there aren't too many neurosports scientists in the world today. But uh, David spends most of his time in Europe. He's back home for a short time, uh, enjoying family life. But Dave... um, Welcome home, I guess, because you're off very, very soon, aren't you? But just to, to explain, uh, the first six months of the world cycling year has been quite intense for you. Tell us about it. Uh, so it started off in January with Australian Nationals uh, through to um, Tour Down Under and off to the Gulf States, um, all through racing through there, then the Classics. Uh yeah, we did quite well in the classics. I worked for UAE Team Emirates. Um, I'm head of cognitive performance there and um, did quite well with Tade in the classics. Um, and then from there, started our preparations for Grand Tours, uh, firstly the Giro and then into the Tour. So Dave, what specifically is your role with these World Tour teams? So I pretty much can ex- well, we extend times to exhaustion, so how, how hard they can go for, for a, a period of time, and we can improve that by how your brain functions. And how different does a brain function as a, an elite world tour rider, say, to anyone else? It actually functions exactly the same. Um, to be totally <laughs> honest with you, it's, there's a structure there that's in place. It's been evolutionary. Um, but uh, how you use your... Um, the, the brain chemicals and how they function and when they function is uh, is actually how you extend that, um, how hard you can go for for, for, for whatever time frame and, you need. And is that the difference between winning and losing for a rider? Uh, it can be. Um, I mean, there's a myriad of different things. Uh, usually the difference between winning and losing is whether someone else is better than you. Um, but uh, it, it, can, it can improve... Uh, the percentage of chances of you winning, yes. And is it easy to get into a, a rider's brain, an athlete's brain? Uh, well, we, they get into themselves. I, um, I really don't say that I, I'm the person that does anything. The athlete does it all themselves. Um, 
I, ca- I can't actually physically uh, do anything for them. I just have to give them the tools to make that happen. Um, and it usually is done uh, by, a, by a relationship and that, that relationship has to be built on trust and, and, and vulnerability, yeah. Well, you mentioned Tadej Pogacar. I guess he's just one of many high-profile athletes that you've worked with. Who, who are some of the others? So I work with all of the sort of high, higher uh, profile athletes when it comes to UAE Team Emirates. Um, so you are with UAE yeah, right now? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, so I also work, obviously the, the Netflix things come out um, with Mark Cavendish. I've worked with Rowan Dennis in the past. Um, I don't work with Rowan anymore. Um, most most of the guys, Sam Gaze on, on the mountain bike. Um, yeah, so I've, I've quite a lot. I've got a lot of non-disclosure clauses in place where I can't sort of say too much. Um, but yeah, the guys that win a lot, um, chances are I've got something to do with them. Tell us about Cav. Is uh, Cav a, a rider that needed someone like you? Uh, that's probably for him to say more than more than anything. Um, he's been on record to say that he has in the past. Um, whether that continues is is, is up to him. Um, I've got a lot of time for him. He's one of the most amazing individuals that I've ever worked with. Um, he has um, he has the potential to uh, to explode, um, and that's the perfectionist p- perfectionistic tendencies that that he has. But also, that's what makes him brilliant. I agree with you. I mean, uh, the reason why some people misunderstood have misunderstood Cav over the years is because of his attitude, his body language. Uh, perhaps he was uh, despondent with me- members of the media. But I guess uh, to be an angry ant. That's what makes you successful, especially if you're a sprinter. You yeah, agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, yeah, I've been been called all the names under the sun when it comes to Cav, um, and that's okay because he's been venting to me. But um, there, yeah, there are times that that that's the reason why he's really good. It's, it that is a, a pure performance mentality when it comes to his uh, res- respective to to Mark. Um, it's not his persona external to, to pure performance. Um, he's yeah, a really, really lovely family man. And, um, you know, we have some, some personal issues on, on, on my side with, with, with my daughter and um, what he's done there has, has been phenomenal as well. So, Dave, I don't know of too many people like yourself, pro- uh, professors, neurosports scientists involved in world cycling. Um, is your position unique and why has a team like UAE taken you on? Um, so UAE have wanted me for quite a substantial amount of time and I've said no. Um, why, have, why have they done it is they've seen my body work um, and uh, how, how I can improve athletes or not me, how, how the neuroscience can, can improve athletes performances. Um, when it comes to neuroscience of sport there's probably five of us total in the world um and all uh, sports psychology is totally different than than what i what i actually do um and um, i do some sports psychology portions just as a as a part of the role but we we usually use those practitioners um and get them there's got good ones of those that that we use but um why why did they bring me on um from what Mauro said to me, is my, is my boss, they want to win. Mm. 
And they are winning. Look, um, when it comes to working with individual athletes, what's, if there is, what's the most difficult or frustrating part of your job? Uh, the difficult portion is, is them to lift the garage door up um, and actually let me in is, is the hardest portion. Most people think that um, I'm there to lay them down on a couch and, and, uh, and go through their their deepest, darkest secrets, and that's actually not what I have any interest in doing whatsoever. Um, once they realise that I'm a a normal human that's vulnerable at the same time, they usually let the let the door up, and the, and a lot of their issues are, you know, I've had mental health issues in the past as well that, that I understand what what they're going through. So that sort of that tends to to remove the wall. Um, so yeah. you've got to win their trust first of yeah, all. Absolutely. And as there, is there one particular rider, you don't have to mention them, but is there one particular rider, it'd be nice if you did mention them, <laughs> is there one particular rider that uh, it took them a long time to win your trust? Mark Cavendish. Yeah. Why is that? Because um, he, didn't, he didn't believe in what we were doing. Um, he did, thought he didn't need either a mental health practitioner or he thought he was... In, well, he had the persona of being invincible and wasn't wasn't willing to accept the fact that there was some vulnerabilities to him and his personality, and that was making detriments to performance. Um, and um, I think it showed out in that Netflix special actually that he didn't even want me to go to the Isle of Man to help him in the darkest of times. So. Um, yeah, so Mark was a tough nut to crack. So does that explain the period in Mark's career where he wasn't winning? You came along and all that changed? <laughs> That's uh, no, he he chose to change. Is the uh, is the is more to the point? Um, there was a, there's a, a lot of extra stuff that were hap- that was happening um, with in, in that period that were that was a real detriments to his performance um, and what we. What we sort of laid out a plan with uh, with Mark and and his performance bubble around him was how do we remove most of those? What's the low hanging fruit? How do we remove that? And then once we we started to do that, then uh, performance became the byproduct. So what you do, your profession, and what you add to certain teams, in this case UAE, is this the future? Do you think of world tour teams? I mean, where do we go from here? for people like yourself who can provide, you know, expertise in your field? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Mm. Um, that's kind of, I don't know if that's for me to to, to say. Like, uh, at the moment, I'm an extremely busy individual, as you know. Um, uh, we do a lot of work with the Mental Wheels Foundation together. Um, and uh, so, actually, I'm not overly mm. sure. Like, I'm, I'm busy and I'm happy with being busy at mm. the moment. So, um if that continues, that's a good thing. I've had to learn to say no quite a lot in the last uh, last few years, which is good. And you also work with uh, other sportsmen and women, don't you, from away from cycling? Yeah, I do. I do work in combat sports. I do work in Formula One and MotoGP. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a lot of uh, legal uh, legalese that I'm not allowed to sort of talk about there. But yeah, I do. I, I work in cycling's not my only thing, but it's my passion. Well, Dave, I know you personally, and you're a very quiet human being. You prefer to stay away from the limelight. But what that Mark Cavendish documentary has done is put you in the forefront. I mean, people who didn't know uh, what you were all about before 
the Netflix uh, documentary, certainly know a lot about you now. You're an Aussie. And when that Australian accent came up in that documentary, people were asking, hey, he's an Aussie. How does he know so much? He knows a lot because uh, you've had uh, a life filled with uh, this sort of work, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's um, like, as, as you know, we've spoken about it in the past. Um, I have I have mental health issues. Um, I have bipolar disorder. I'm really proud of that fact. Um, it makes a lot of my personality traits are the reason why um, other people think that I'm successful. Um, whether I think that I am or not, it's a different conversation. But um, yeah, I have mental health struggles, still do. Um, but yeah, I'm not the type of person that, that sort of puts myself out there, um, as you know. Um, I'm quite... I'm a quietly spoken person. I like just to be me. Um, that's why I'm back here in Kiama at home um, and don't really tell anyone that I'm home. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not a like a media savvy person. I'd rather be. It's not. It's not about me. It's about the athletes that I work with, and it's about. For me, it's. I get more satisfaction about improving other people's lives, and. Uh, and 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 winning, getting them to win, then then I have any interest in anyone knowing who I am. That's for sure. Well, you've certainly changed the lives of uh, many legends. One being Mark Cavendish. And word is that Cav will be back in twenty twenty four. Let's hope so. You know, probably know more than I do. You're not willing to tell me anything right now. But um, look, congratulations to you. Uh, keep up the good work. And um, you might be a, a very quiet uh, person and very private person. But uh, you're doing some great work. Congratulations. Thank you, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is The Domestics, presented by Black Sheep Sideways. Well, as you heard there, David has been around as a neurosports scientist for many years, but it was his appearance in the Mark Cavendish doco which has made people stand up and pay attention. And as you may have noticed from that interview, he doesn't like to be the centre of attention, but goes about his job without flair or fanfare. And... Also, as he alluded in that interview, he has had his own personal hurdles with mental issues, which have now extended, unfortunately, to his nine-year-old daughter. And I personally wish him all the best. But um, yeah, it was yeah. such a good it's, interview, it's, Mike. Like, it's uh, God, I'd love to know how he does it. Like, what are? How does he get in there? How does he get into the brains of these champions? Like, I didn't actually realize until I heard that interview that he's working now with UAE exclusively. Um, mm-hmm. and For just three like years. the changes. But that I think he's wow. to answer your question, Tills, he's got to win the trust of the riders. And there are many riders in that peloton with huge egos. It's obviously a big wall that he's got to try and crack. But uh, it seems to me, with a three year contract like David's got at UAE, um, it seems to be working. His skills mm-hmm. as a qualified neurosports scientist is working. So uh, good luck to him. All right, that's our episode for this week. Yeah, there's a lot going on, eh? Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah. We will keep track of the welter, particularly in the decisive third and final week. And if, it, if you haven't looked at that course, that third week is an absolute monster. They go up the Anglaroo, uh, which also, is, what, 25%. Thomas, they also, oh, they, yeah, yeah, they go up the Tourmalet. They go into France. They go up the Tourmalet. The they spend other, a, the a day in France. Yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. Correct. It's wow. just like the Spanish, this is always the way with, they, they're always like, you know, hold my beer. I'll show you what a course looks like. Like it's, it's always, <laughs> yeah, out, so it's always true. just so stupid. I just hope that 
Because what we saw in the jury was the courses were so hard near the end that the racing was boring for two weeks. But I think because it kicks off so early here, it's just going to, you know, we're going to see a huge amount of breakaway wins as well because GC is going to be sorted really fast. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's exciting. All right. Well, enjoy the welter, everybody. And uh, from wherever you're listening, enjoy it at home. And uh, we'll be back very, very soon as the Domestiques. How do you say oh that my word? Oh, gosh. Are you having an anorexia? Oh, 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 stuff. Like yeah, I'm having problems. What? I think it's it's the Hollywood effect. It's rubbing off oh, on me. Domestiques. See you soon. Uh, Chancellor hey, Yates. Bye. Domestiques. <laughs> the Domestiques by Black Sheep Sign